All right, hello everyone. This is our inaugural episode of Hard in the Paint, where we ask the hard questions about our favorite sport at the moment, which is the National Basketball Association. I am your host, Matt, and I am joined by my guest, uh, MR Patel 5, also known as Michael. And uh, today we've got a wonderful episode for you. Uh, first off, we're gonna talk about the recently released uh, NBA awards for the year uh, announced three of the top vote getters for most of the categories so we'll go over those uh, then we're going to talk about our if we redid those awards who they would be for the playoffs which is something they don't shouldn't take into account during those awards so that'll be an interesting thing and then uh, we'll just go over our general feelings of the playoffs some of our biggest upsets and surprises and you know what ifs and whatnot so uh let's get right into it so first off uh let's start with rookie of the year so our three finalists are donovan mitchell of Utah team ben simmons of that team from philly and our boy jason tatum of boston so michael what do you think about this this choice of finalists here yeah, so like right off the bat, we gotta rule out Tatum. Like fuck Duke. Like as as Wolfpack alumni, we can't let Boston's Jason Tatum win this. Like third pick in the draft should be third overall in this in this finalist award, right? Sorry, right, so we're left with Mitchell and Simmons. So Simmons, I mean, he's like the presumptive one, right? Number one overall pick, like just killing it with the process. But uh, Mitchell really brought back Utah from basically death. I mean, without Hayward, that entire team has basically been gutted uh, over the course of the year. So Mitchell deserves some praise. Um, so I don't know. Like, where, 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 where should we really, like, frame this up there, Matt? Like, uh, Simmons versus Mitchell. I mean, I think that's really the debate. Like, Tatum, Tatum's out, right? Like, like we, we can't have Duke. No, no question about that. I mean, Tatum – you know, Tatum's been amazing in these playoffs. Uh, you know, Brad Stevens, who we'll get to later, has really slotted at him well with the that nasty Gordon Hayward injury from early on. But yeah, I think most people would agree with the sentiment that it's between Donovan and Ben. And, you know, even looking at the numbers in depth, uh, Donovan Mitchell, uh, I think he's got a five or six points per game lead on Ben, but and of course a higher three-point shooting percentage. But Ben, you know, he he's a triple-double machine pretty much. Getting rebounds, he's getting assists, he's getting steals, he's getting blocks. And, you know, it, it honestly to me it feels like a, a 1A, 1B sort of thing. I think we're a little more you know, the, the big discussion here is if Ben Simmons should really be in the running for this, considering he sat out a year. And I mean, that shirt was hilarious that Mitchell wore. Oh, yeah. So <laughs> defining so, what a rookie is. <laughs> that, that little uh, social media beef between between the two with the, the rookie definition and then other players coming out. That was, that was a great storyline, wasn't it? So what, do you think there's like credence? Like, should Ben Simmons be in this uh, in this running? 
you know, I, I, I've seen it argued so many different ways. Uh, you know, personally, I'm going to have to say he should be just off the, the, the first year of play statement. Because, uh, you know, with more and more Euro guys coming over that have played in Euro leagues, they've played professional basketball before, so I don't know how much a first-year professional status really should be an indicator of rookiness anymore. I feel like it should just be first-year playing in the NBA, which then accounts for both of those people since Ben didn't play at all last year. So... so yeah, so does it have to be like <clears throat> like like Simmons didn't play like a single game last year. But like what if Simmons had like a Gordon Hayward thing where like he plays five minutes and then gets injured? Like how does that like factor in? Like would that should that count as like a rookie season? Like if, if Simmons had like Hayward's injury this this year. So he only plays like five minutes and gets injured, like is he still counted as like a rookie this entire year? And that counts as his like uh, push like rookie of the year on a on a personal level i think it does i think it i know it sounds like he's getting copped out of a season but you know whenever you hear about those injuries you hear season ending injury or like you know he'll be out for the rest of his season or that was a you know a waste of mm. a season which means that you know if he's got a season and it's 10 minutes that's his rookie season and i know that sucks to hear if you're you're a ben guy but i i think that's just how the rule goes like he still gets paid you know it still goes on the stat line that he played that season and I, I, I know nice that doesn't really address the <laughs> the topic of you know, which one should actually win the rookie of the year? That just kind of gets rid of that technicality. That I think it's been kind of, you know, that's a, that's a reasonable argument about a month ago, but it's it's really simmered down here since the playoffs have been going on. And it's that recency bias of these performances. Both Both of these players have had some just phenomenal nights. I think Donovan's been a little more playoffs consistent, but... Yeah, I'm. I'm. Yeah, I mean, I, th I think it's. Yeah. I think it's definitely got to be like a co-rookie of the year thing. I I hate to like, I hate to have I mean, to cop out with that though. Like, if you had <laughs> to pick one, what would be your pick right now? Like, we're disregarding the playoffs. I mean, I'd I'd go with Simmons. Like, the the fact that they pulled like Philly from like the worst team in the league to like number three in the East. Got got through an entire first round series against against a decent Miami team. I mean, it's not not anything brilliant, but you can't rule out Spolstra. And obviously, Wade can show some flashes of vintageness. But uh, I would give it to Simmons. Like Mitchell just had a little bit more, I think, to really work with. Like you have Rudy Gobert protecting you behind. You got Ricky Rubio. You got Ingles. Like some of those players have playoff experience, but with Philly, it's like, I mean, how is Ben Simmons supposed to know that Embiid was even going to play most of that year? I mean, Embiid, I mean, I was thinking he was going to play like half a year, like 40 games, and that'd be probably about it. So, I mean, I figured – and then Philly went on that 
sick, like, what, 15, 16-game winning streak, like, right at the end of the year with a yeah. beat out and then faults. I mean, Ben Simmons did have to carry this load, like, quite a bit, especially for a guy who can't really shoot or shoots with the wrong hand or, I don't know, he has all kinds of weird quirks about his game right now. But Yeah, that's a good uh, point. You know, I mean, gut that, reaction, I'd go with Simmons. Especially the way the season ended up, you know, the the – it's really hard because these. I think when they do these votes, it's right at the end of March, if I'm not mistaken. So that the 15 game win streak that Ben went on without Embiid, I think, might have pushed him over the edge. But if you did, I think if you did this vote in like December, when Gobert was out for a while, and it was mostly Donovan Mitchell, like starting to really run, it's starting to like take over that point guard spot for Utah. I think I think the vote would have been a little bit different. Um, I Personally, I'm going to have to go with Donovan Mitchell on this one. I know that sucks because I'm a little bit of a Philly fan right now, but I have to... I feel like being a point guard at his stature and being a year younger and being the offensive weapon on your team is a lot harder especially in the west than it is to be this sort of lebron jr type guy in the east i know the stats don't the stat line doesn't really back me up i think the per or advanced analytics are also pretty much a wash but you know i got something for the little guy there was a story about him i think it was in one of his recent interviews where the Utah coaching team gave him this training package of various layups and finishes around the limb that are just so creative over that summer where they drafted him. And he picked all that stuff up. Like you notice he always does this like Euro step scoop shot thing. That's almost like a signature move that no one really else does right now. And that that's wild to me. It's like, sure. Ben's got these crazy passes and, He's got a pretty almost Euro type team going on over there, but yeah, Donovan Mitchell just—I don't know. I'm I'm more impressed by him. Maybe that's because everyone slept on him. Maybe that's because he's just undersized. One, he won the dunk contest, though. So that's that's also a bonus. But hey, you know, if if I had to pick one, it'd be Donovan. Yeah. But I can see a very easy case for co-rookies of the year all right so like who would have who's gonna have like a better season do you think next year like i think ben will i think it's pretty easy to see ben having a better season yeah like i think simmons like has like higher potential than like donovan mitchell um it's like i think donovan mitchell's game relies a lot it's kind of like westbrook where no. it relies a lot on just like it relies just a lot on sheer athleticism it's more like, like a Dame skill book. All right, I can see that. Yeah, a little smaller. A little smaller, I can definitely see that. But I think, like, the, the big thing that's really going to come down to it is, uh, like, who can really control, like, the team more, right? Like, I feel like Ben Simmons just controlled, like, the Philly team more than, like, Mitchell-controlled Utah team. It's like... Yeah, I don't know yeah, if yeah. Mitchell's like the de facto captain of that team. You know, you got Ingles, you got Gobert, you got Ricky Rubio. Whereas, like, you look to Philly, it's like you got JJ, JJ Redick, like fuck dude, but like JJ Redick, 
And it's like, after that, I mean, you might be thinking Ben Simmons is the captain on this team. That's true. He really has, he's, he's figured out how to control the pace on both ends, I think, a little bit better than Donovan has. You know, Donovan, you kind of, you get this game type effect sometimes where he can do some cross-ups and some, some long threes, some nice dunks and whatnot. But I think Ben might have a little bit better personal intuition when it comes to that crucial, like, end-of-game pace. Mm. I think, okay, so quickly here, five <laughs> years from now, which one of these players uh, is in the MVP conversation? Oh, Ben Simmons, hands down. It's, it's got to be. It's, it's Ben Simmons, Anthony Davis, Giannis. It's, it's these unicorns, man. Like, you can't fight the trend. All right, so you think, okay, five years from now, all these players are on a all-star team, yes or no? Uh, Mitchell, Tatum, and Simmons? Yeah. Uh, I'll say yes to Simmons and Tatum. Mitchell, I'm still not sold on. Like, in the West, it's hard. The West is really hard to get onto, like, a, like a, uh, an all-star team. Um, especially if, like, LeBron or something goes West. Like, I mean, that's another spot gone. So, I don't know. Mitchell's got it harder just because of geography. But in terms of talent, I mean, I think all three like should be able to get in there. Oh, definitely. Um, I think they can all perform at the all-star level. Of course, you got that guard log jam in the West for all-star talent. Yeah. But yeah, I mean, I think that's what hurts Mitchell the most is like, plus like Utah just gets so overlooked compared to like Boston and Philly. Small market. In terms of mm-hmm. like a market. Yeah. They do have the best home crowd, though, according to uh, so NBA research. They have the least amount of opposing team jerseys <laughs> in the crowd. So anyways, uh, let's move on to the oh, next fun discussion. Mormons. Yeah, the Mormons. So uh, we have Coach of the Year. So we've got three the three finalists here. We've got Brad Stevens, the mastermind of the Celtics, Quinn Snyder, captain of the Utah coaching team, and our favorite Raptor, Dwayne Casey. So what do you think in terms of which one of these coaches should win Coach of the Year? So... Uh, Casey already won like the coaches coach of the year where like the coaches like uh, pick it right and then uh, I think like Toronto like yesterday whatever or whenever they announced these uh, finalists like Toronto Raptors like Twitter like congratulated Casey which I thought was hilarious so I think Casey should just win based on that like irregardless of how the team plays Casey should win on the fact that he was fired but he could be coach of the year like let's just make it happen that's let's just let's just start it right now you know that's a little ironic almost it's it's you've got this team you've you've had the same group of guys for a while never been able to really make the magic happen and then you make the magic happen this year you get the number one seed and in all honesty i don't think anyone had the raptors being the number one seed this year in east let alone being i think second best record in the league right I think it was Houston Raptors. Uh, no, probably not. Houston, Houston Golden State, probably. Okay. So, anyways, uh, you know, and then you have this massive collapse in the playoffs, which I I don't know how much of it's a coaching move. I think a good amount of it is, but you know, why not fire your coach of the year on both regards? You know, just I'm you know I'm a fan of blowing the Raptors team up, so. It's it's whatever to me, but uh, personally, I don't think he's a great coach when it comes to crunch time. 
So I, I'm going to have to vote against him on this one. But does he have any Duke players? Like, Stevens has Tatum and Kyrie Irving. Quinn Snyder had, like, Rodney Hood. Like, I, I, Casey doesn't have a Duke player. Like, that's why we just got to go with it. You just got to trust your instincts. I, I would give you the Rodney Hood credit, but he's been worse on the Cavs than he ever was on the Jazz. So <laughs> I might have to give a little knock to Quinn Snyder there. Um, but it, you know, if you're looking at it from a, uh, a game planning perspective and an X and O's perspective, I think it's pretty well known at this point that Brad Stevens is the second coming of, you know, a basketball coaching God and maybe, you know, maybe the Popovich of our generation here. I think Quinn Snyder isn't that far behind either. He's got this crazy defensive mastermind sort of thing going on. And some of that's go bear. Just being, you know, this huge monster of a rim protector. Yeah, so I, mean, I think when it comes to, like, coach of the year, I think what often gets, like, overlooked is, like, the idea of balance on a team. Like, like, like Dan Tony is, like, an offensive guy, right? But he's he's never really gotten, like, a winning team because I think he just doesn't have that, like, uh, like – like recognition of that you need balance in the team. And I think Brad Stevens, like I think the fact that he can drop plays that are like just work with like perfect execution with such a young team. And then on the defensive side, I mean, he's got these guys like running and hustling. It's insane. Like it's, you know, you kind of feel like you're watching one of those like mid two thousands kind of NBA games mm. with uh, Stevens at the helm. So he's got like the, the balance, like kind of eye test argument. Um, Quinn Snyder, I mean, he's done a phenomenal job. I just, they still ended up with, uh, what, number five in the West. And I don't know, I think with Coach of the Year, like, you've got to be able to um, get your team in the top four. Like, you've got to have, like, a home court kind of game, like playoff games, um, to really kind of be in the Coach of the Year conversation. Like, he's done a, he's done a great job. But I mean, so did uh, Stotts up in uh, Portland, um, or even Brett Brown in Philly. Um, so I think that's kind of my like knock against uh, Snyder. I mean, it's incredible the fact that like we've had so many like Utah finalists, like Rookie of the Year, Coach of the Year, Defensive Player of the Year. I mean, Utah is getting up there, but I just I don't see Quinn Snyder as being able to uh, get his team going on offense. Um, to really get that balance down. If you're a fan, you know, a lot of the times these of the year awards come down to the best player on the best team or the best coach on the best team. So you adhere to that philosophy. Mm. Dwayne Casey's going to win it. But I think on a personal level, I think Brad Stevens is going to win it again. Um, but what's your final take on this? Yeah, I, th I, think, I think it's Brad Stevens. Like, you have no Kyrie... No Gordon Hayward. And the they're for a coach of the year. I mean, they 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 didn't drop uh anywhere down. Like I think they were like the number two seed before Kyrie even went down. So they didn't like fall apart, uh, you know, like Cleveland or something, you know, where a team just kinda just melts uh under the pressure. So you managed to keep that team together. They they won a couple playoff series. I mean, they're knocking on the door to the finals. Um I mean, talk about putting a Band-Aid on a team and just, you know, kicking ass. I think it's Brad Stevens. 
All right, so next up, we've got our Defensive Players of the Year finalists. Three big men, of course. Anthony Davis down in New Orleans, Utah's Rudy Gobert, and Captain Process himself, Joel Embiid. I feel like this one's pretty straightforward, but uh, I'll let you take the take the floor first. Oh, man, I was thinking this was, like, the most wide-open one. Oh, really? It's so, okay. it's so like, uh, yeah, because... Uh, Gobert missed uh, quite a few games uh, at the beginning of the year, and then uh, Embiid missed some down the stretch. And then uh, AD is the only one who's been like uh, – he's probably been the healthiest out of the three. But I don't know if uh, like uh, Davis's uh, defense is like a, a product of just the fact that once Boogie went down, the pace picked up. And I think that really helps Davis's game. So, I mean – I don't know. I'm pretty torn on this one. I mean, I don't know. Let's hear your thoughts, then uh, try and convince me. So I'm I'm 100% going off the injury argument. I feel like it's hard to win, you know, most improved rookie MVP or defensive player and not play, you know, and miss 20-plus games of the season. You know, Rudy Gobert was out for a long time, and that team has been amazing with him on the floor. I mean, he basically shut down Westbrook in the playoffs. Uh, but you know, if you're not there, it's a regular season award. And if you're missing games of the regular season, it's kind of hard to to give you the same bonus as, you know, Anthony Davis. He's been in, I think he played like 75 games or something. So that's Less than 10% of the game is missed. He's led the league in blocks and franked 15 in steals. I mean, steals is huge for a big man. That's pretty crazy because most big men don't move their feet that crazy fast or their hands. But even without Boogie, he's... I mean, he kind of was the defensive anchor even with Boogie there, but he's been even more of that defensive anchor with him out. And, of course, Joel Embiid's just inconsistent. Um, and... He's missed quite a few games as well. Uh, yeah, but I mean, like, the defensive makeup of, like, Philly is, like, basically non-existent. Like, uh, apart from Embiid and Covington, I mean, I don't really know if they have, like, any real defense. Whereas New Orleans, I mean, you got Rondo, and Rondo's, you know, at this point in his career, basically like a, a defensive guy. I mean – Defenses and then on offense, it's just about assists. And then you've got Etwan Moore, who you know is not bad in terms of just playing like a one-on-one. You know, let me take on the point guard of the other team. Uh, Drew Holiday is like surprisingly turned into. I mean, I wouldn't say like elite, but he's definitely like above average in terms of a two-way player. So my whole my my problem with that is is. You could really see this in the Celtics series. You know, when you're playing defense and you've got such a big rim-protecting presence like Embiid behind you, and let's say they ISO you or you're on an island or, you know, you know your man can beat you off the dribble. You can play differently knowing that that big man's back there. But when, you know, you've got an Al Horford or a Draymond Green or somebody that pulls that big off the basket, you can really see how exposed uh, that team is without that big man back there. And, you know, Gobert and Bede are two people that, you know, if they get pulled out, they can't do a whole lot. Where I think Anthony Davis, if he gets pulled out 
or he has to switch on a small, he really you don't you don't feel as bad with him away from the rim just because he can keep up with smaller guys better and he's also got the steals that going for him in his favor there too. Yeah, yeah, I mean I guess yeah, I guess I'm pretty much convinced. I mean, I remember like a couple of years ago when uh Pelicans split the Warriors in like the first round. This is I think like 2015. Mm-hmm. And uh they did a lot of switching with Curry on Davis. And I don't think it burned the Pelicans as much as Golden State was hoping, even though like I think it was a sweep. Those games are fairly close. So, all right, I'm convinced. Anthony Davis for a uh, defensive player there. All right, let's I, go to my least favorite award. Yeah, I Six agree. Man. Six man is not is not my favorite either, and I, I honestly I don't I don't care too much about this one. So you've got Eric Gordon off the Rockets, uh, the Clippers, Lou Williams, and Fred VanVleet from the Craptors. I you know I'll let you take this one. I don't care any way <laughs> that you go on this, but go ahead. So I, I think like with six man, it's one of those awards that works better in the playoffs when a uh, rotation shorten than it does in the regular season where you do have a lot of like, uh, like you have a lot of bench depth, you have a lot of players coming in and out, you have like injuries that might take a toll. So then you know six man just gets thrown in. Um, so I, I don't know. Like if you're gonna just kind of off, uh you know, like, like just stats and stuff. I mean, Eric Gordon, I mean, he's, he's pretty pivotal at three headed monster in terms of the, uh, the backcourt that Houston have. I mean, you know, they need him just as much as they need Arden and Chris Paul. I think, um, if they're really serious about like knocking off golden state, putting together a title run. Um, but then you have like perennial six man of the year, like finalist Lou Williams, right. He's basically like, Jamal Crawford 2.0 in 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 mm-hmm. LA, um, and then I, and then Fred VanVleet. Honestly, I didn't watch a whole lot of him play at all, just because I do not care about the Raptors. So I'm gonna assume he's from Duke. So I'm just gonna say fuck Duke. So Fred VanVleet is out. Uh, I'm gonna give it to Eric Gordon. I, I just you, you I'm know, not sure I, I care enough to even <laughs> to even keep arguing this point. I'm going to go with Eric, too, on this one, uh, mostly off the fact that Lou Williams, he had some really great individual performances, but he started... Oh, yeah. He I mean, the so, fact that, like... He Clippers, started so many games on the Clippers. Yeah, know? I mean, the fact that the Clippers were, like, what, like a few games away from being, like, the fourth seed in the playoffs, and they didn't even make it. Like, I think it was, like, like a four or five-game swing. They could have been, like, fourth in the West. I mean, that's that's pretty astonishing, but... Van Vliet, I've got, I've got no real sympathy for. I mean, he's a great three and D guard, but he's undersized. He's a little thick like Kyle, and he, I, I feel like numbers wise, he isn't on the same level as Eric and Lou. Like Eric, he is that. You're right. He is that third most important player on that uh, wing rotation for the Clippers, or not the Clippers, the uh, Rockets. Yeah, he's kind of got that like Harden 2012 Thunder vibe, where it's like. You knew Harden was coming off the bench for the Thunder, but like you knew that like the Thunder had no chance of winning like the West or even the the title without Harden being like a huge contributor in that. He's the only other guy that can put it on the floor and make something happen. And he's also he could start on many other teams. So oh, I, yeah. I, I mean, think that easily now. wins him the conversation in my book. So why don't we move on to most improved player? Um 
So we've got Victor Oladipo off Indiana. We got Clint Capella off of the Houston team, and then Brooklyn Spencer Dinwiddie. Uh, I feel like this one's also pretty easy to pick from, so I'll let you make the first case. Uh, yeah, I mean, I think even the uh, the voters knew that. I mean, why else would have Dinwiddie on the list? I mean, I I honestly don't think I could tell you a single game that I watched that had Brooklyn of any Brooklyn team in any sport that I watched at all this year. So I, I think they were just, you know, scraping the bottom of the barrel for Dinwiddie to put on this list. I think it's Oladipo. I think, I think like, without a doubt, it's his to lose. Um, I mean, the, like, rise that he had in Indiana, you know, like a homecoming of sorts after what was pretty much Russ's season last year. <laughs> Um, yeah, yo, you're absolutely right on this one. It's it's 100% Victor Oladipo, no question. I mean, even looking at the playoffs into consideration, it's got to be him. You know, you can make a case for Clint Capella, and I've been a little bit of a fan of his, even since the Dwight days in Houston. He's always been a nice big man that can roll and get dunks, almost like a DeAndre Light sort of thing. And heck, the only yeah. reason Spencer's even on here is because D'Angelo's out and everyone expected Brooklyn to win like less than 15 games. So you've got, you know, the closest thing to, I think, maybe Westbrook in the East, a controlled Westbrook and Victor Oladipo. Is that a so, good thing? I think for that team, it's a good thing. I don't yeah. think, I mean, he's also really improved his three-point shooting this year. Like, his pull-up three is actually pretty good. Um, and I think he's gotten a lot smarter, too. So... Yeah. I don't see, we'll see. how, we'll I don't see see how he doesn't win this. I feel like yeah. it's 95% Vic, maybe 5% Clint. I mean, he had that sick Black Panther mask during the dunk in the dunk contest. I mean, that was, I think, I think that wins it enough just to get him most improved, just having that mask. All right, so we've, we've agreed on a lot of things so far. We disagreed on just a few things. So why don't we take a little bit of a spin on this and talk about our our versions of these awards, but for the playoffs thus far. So we'll start with Rookie of oh, the wait, Year. Oh, wait, do you want to talk about, like, uh, do you want to do regular season MVP? Of, uh, oh, did we not Arden do MVP and yet? AD and LeBron? I don't, I don't think we did actual MVP. Oh, I skipped MVP. Okay, so MVP. I think we just uh, we've got Harden, we've got LeBron, and we have Anthony Davis. Those are the big three front runners. Um, my opinion, it's probably Harden off of the numbers um but i can see a case for the other two uh, just not a very great one what do you think i'm i'm a little surprised that lebron's even in this list um i thought maybe lebron this might be the year where he gets left off uh just because the Cavs not doing that well i mean he statistically had a very good career but i thought maybe DeRozan might have taken that spot um the mid-range maestro you know kobe 2.0 uh i thought he might kind of come into the conversation a little bit you know i feel like he, know this would have been a great that. year for DeRozan. you know you, you mentioned that but his his stat line isn't all that great like you know that team's number one in the east so the wind's obviously up for coach of the year if he had pulled up his stat line like i don't know like 29 5 and 5 i feel like he would have been on the the list for this mm -hmm. but he's like 22 6 and 4 it's like not that great. Yeah, but without DeRozan, how team. far does that Raptors team get? Without DeRozan, how far does that Raptors team even get, though? I feel I mean, like I think we've learned from the past that having Kyle Lowry 
Yeah, like making Kyle Lowry like the guy hasn't worked. Like that's what we've seen like in like years past, right? Like Lowry's like, uh, you know, one A, and then DeRozan's like two, but it, it it's just not it doesn't work. So, uh, I mean, irregardless, I think yeah, Harden, Harden should take MVP. Um, some of the stats he's putting up are like all time great in terms of like a, a regular season. Um. I think he's had to adjust a lot with CP3 being there. I mean, he's had to at least pretend to play some defense. Whatever uh, defense he did play has improved. You're right about that. <laughs> uh, his team is number one. I mean, that's what he's got going for him. Um, uh, yep. And, you know, I think, it, I think it's one of those where he's been like a runner-up so many years that I think it's like his time. I think, like, this is the time when we can say – all right, Harden, you've been like the backseat to Steph's years, Russ's year last year. It's his time. It's good to hear that um, even though Russ got that triple-double again, that he's not on this list. Oh, yeah, that's true, too. It kind of puts it more in perspective of like, we shouldn't really just go off uh, like stat crunching. But uh, AD deserves a ton of credit after Boogie went down. I mean, he looked... Honestly, I think AD might have outplayed Harden uh, since the All-Star break. Um, from All-Star break until end of the regular season, I think AD is like had the better stretch. But uh, putting that in the frame of everything else, I mean, Pelicans still finished like sixth in the West. I mean, it could have easily been like third or fourth. Yeah, um, I mean, you... swing of a few games, but I think I think I think I think it's Harden. Like. Hey. People have been mentioning Anthony Davis in this conversation for for quite some time, and he always gets this moniker of like, "Oh, he's the future of the league," or "That guy's going to be unstoppable in a year." And I feel like this was the year that we actually saw that come to fruition a bit. And I'm only up hopeful that next year he's on this list all year long. So. Um, now that we've talked about all of the awards and I skipped MVP, I'm sorry. Yeah, about I mean, I that. think it's nice that we finally got like a unicorn to like break through in this race. Like, we've had Katie, but Katie is like an entirely different beast than like a unicorn. Like, we're starting to, you know, hopefully, like next few years, we start to see like Giannis or Kristaps or Embiid, you know, these like huge seven footers start to come through in the MVP race. It'd be kind of nice. It'd be nice to see a big man on there for once. Yeah, and it'd be nice to have a big win in MVP. It'd be sick. Yeah, it's a little hard for the big man to get an MVP these days. All right, so why don't we go into our playoffs awards? So we'll start with uh, playoffs rookie of the year. Uh, I think all three of these choices actually stay the same. So we got Donovan, Ben, and Tatum again. So what do you think in terms of our playoffs rookie of the year thus far? Uh, I'm going to go with, hmm, I don't know. Uh... Uh, here, I got it for you. I'm going to go with Tatum. <laughs> I'm going with Tatum on this one, and I'll tell you why. The Celtics have won more games than the other two teams. And I know I know Mitchell has been up against some stellar competition in the West, and he's carried his team, and he's had to guard Harden, and he's had to guard Chris Paul and all these hard guys. Um, but they did lose. And I think winning in the playoffs is everything. You know, making it to the conference finals is such a huge moniker. I think you got to give it to Tatum. 
Uh, all right, just for like argument's sake, I'll 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 say I'll say Mitchell. Uh, the fact that they even beat the OK City Thunder like is insane. I mean, that team had Russ, who's basically just a more I think he's a more mature version of, of Mitchell right now. I think he's got. I think Mitchell has learned from Russ's uh, game, and uh, yeah, PG thirteen. I mean, this was this was. Uh, this should have been PG-13's breakout, playoff fees breakout in the for the OK City Thunder. I mean, the Thunder on paper, the Thunder on paper should have rolled right over the Jazz. Um, I mean, I will say Ricky Rubio did outplay Russ those first few games, but he he went down. Like this is the primary facilitator, and he just went down and. Ended up being that Mitchell basically had to take on like point guard, shooting guard. I mean, he basically was a backcourt. Hey, so he definitely took it to Russ too. Like uh, they went on think, one quite a few times. Yeah, I mean, I think if you're looking at like Boston, though, I mean, the responsibility for Tatum is primarily just to score some points and play some good perimeter uh, defense. But like Al Horford, like Marcus Smart, Rozier, Jalen Brown. Morris, I mean, the collective cast is just uh, is, is supports Tatum way more than I think Mitchell had. Um, I think I we mean, can both agree that Ben's been a little, little I, sad yeah. since the Miami series. Yeah, I think I think I think he was a bit exposed in terms of just his lack of uh, actual basketball skill. Really, I mean, he's got he's got that kind of raw talent, that potential, but he doesn't quite have the nuances of how to play basketball i think yet i think that was exposed by like a good defense in boston um so i would i would go with donovan mitchell but i I can i can see a case for him too i think individually it might be mitchell i think as a more collective idea it might be tatum yeah i mean i mean i guess we'll wait in a couple months when tatum lifts that finals mvp trophy but yeah yeah all right so Coach of the year for our playoffs. Uh, I, if I had to name three, it'd probably be Brad Stevens. Uh, what? Brad Stevens, Alvin Gentry, and Quinn Snyder. I, I don't know. Uh, Who would you pick for for your top three playoff coaches right now? Yeah, I mean, I mean, in terms of uh, finalists, yeah, I mean, I would go with. Uh... I like those choices. I like Ty Lue in there, though. I mean, I don't know what Ty Lue does, but in the playoffs, he can. he's like a good playoff coach because I think he's good at understanding how to adjust, especially in the Toronto series. I mean, my goodness, they just destroy Toronto. Like, any adjustments he made from that Indiana series into Toronto just paid off. Oh, so, yeah, I mean, I don't think, Ty, I don't think Ty Lue – I don't think Tyloo takes Coach of the Year for the playoffs, but I think he he definitely deserves this this little mention that I'm giving him. Um, but I think it's got to be Brad Stevens. I mean, just I mean, just to beat the Bucks is like impressive in itself. I mean, you've beaten I mean, it teams take seven with games, much but... more talent than you twice now. Yeah, I mean, and, without a doubt. I yeah. mean, your best two players are gone. You've got you know, you got uh, rookies in the squad. You got Jalen Brown and Terry. Yeah. I mean, you got guys who don't really know what they're doing. I mean, Boston overhauled 11 out of the 15 guys from last year. And they are on the verge of 
you know, sweeping Golden State in the finals here. I mean, it's it's going to be crazy. Um, I think I think President Stevens has done has done the job, has earned his uh, his money. I mean, I don't know. I don't know if there's ever been a coach who's been as valuable to a team in the playoffs as he has. I think if you look at it in terms of if you swapped him out with another coach, would that team do as well? And I think the only arguments you can make are maybe like Popovich or Kerr, and both of those or guys Ty are Lue, coach man. of the year. I mean, Ty Lue. Ty Lue's got the championship. But the but the, <laughs> the such important part for that team is their after timeout plays are so freaking crucial on that team. Yeah, I, th- I think I think Stevens is just such a like a strategist. He can just like he knows how to. To change the dynamics of a game. But, right. um, I'll let you come up with right, this one. Defensive, player uh, defensive players in the playoffs. What what are your top three? Alright, in the playoffs, um, I think Gobert definitely deserves a mention. Yep. I I even think Clint Capella, uh, especially in that jazz series, Clint Capella. I mean, I think there were like back to back games where he had like six blocks and then like five blocks or something to close out that series. Yeah. I mean, that's pretty insane. Um, all of Boston. I don't even know how you. I mean, I guess Al Horford. I guess would be maybe Marcus Smart. Marcus Smart's been pretty much on fire. I think his stat lines um, haven't been that impressive. He's more of a more of a glue guy, more of a dirty guy. Not dirty yeah. in a dirty play way, but dirty as in those things that aren't on the stat line type way. Um, I think if I had to put one player on here, I'd still put Anthony Davis on here. I think I think Davis, Gobert, and um, Capella. You think you can make an argument for all three? Yeah, I mean, this is like the hardest one that you choose, right? Like, I mean, how do you judge defense in such a small amount of games, especially with like, I mean, especially because like some of these games only went like uh, to like a gentleman's sweep. So there aren't a whole lot of games to really sample from to really get the defense. And I think with the way it looks, is that I mean, it's all about offense um in some of these teams i mean houston golden say it's it's all about how you can go on a run at the end of the game steal a game on the road it's funny how it seems like uh blocks are the number one indicator here but just with a small amount of games i'm not sure i want to chalk it up to that on its own i I, i'm gonna have to give it to gobert though because he basically saved that jazz team from westbrook just destroying them so that's that's, well, that that's my Mello's crap shooting. All right, uh, this one's gonna be fun. Six man of the year for the playoffs. I'm gonna say Eric Gordon, uh, Marcus Smart, and uh, I'm having a hard time getting a third one here. Uh, let's see, six man. You could say Van Vliet, even though he collapsed a little bit. Um, uh, let's just get to TJ McConnell, man, for that one game. <laughs> I was trying to think of someone on the Sixers, but, you know. TJ McConnell, man, just for that one game. I, lo- I love oh, that Wade, game. Maybe Wade? Wade, just for that one 28-point game. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> uh, let's see. Iguodala's been solid. I, I hate picking a warrior, but... Dude comes off the bench. He Is plays he on the bench? Does he come off the bench? Uh, he has started a game or two, I think. I was gonna say, like, I'm pretty sure by now, Kerr, like, Zaza and JaVale McGee are like off the 
like on the bench. But I think they start with Draymond at the five. Uh, they've they've kind of switched in and out depending on what the lineup is. Anybody? Uh, uh no, no, there's no one on the Pelicans that was worthy of it. Uh, Utah, not really. Uh, yeah. Yeah, I mean, this is kind of a tough Derek, one. I guess it just goes to Eric Gordon by default. <laughs> so it's the best kind of way to win an award, Eric. All right, uh, let's just move on to most improved player. I think this one. You still got Victor. You still got Clint Capella. Uh, most improved in the playoffs. Maybe you could throw Jalen Brown in here. Maybe you can make an argument for that. Or maybe Drew Holiday or Rondo. Uh, maybe we should. Maybe we should flip it. Let's flip this category. Let's say uh, which player has progressed the like has actually uh, regressed in the playoffs. Maybe I think improvement's kind of hard unless you keep advancing. Okay, like... so we'll talk about the most upsetting players. The, 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 yeah, let's let, who's who who has been the player that has choked so far the most. I think we can agree um, that it's Paul George of OKC. He got locked down okay. by Joe Jingles and got the moniker Playoff P and Pushoff P. And I don't think he scored a game over thirty, shooting worse than like forty percent on every game. Yeah, but I, I've never been of the mindset that that Paul George is like a uh, like a you know, tier one superstar in the league. I think he's like one of the best two-way players, but I don't know if he really gets to that like tier one superstar status. I don't know. Harden, Harden's kind of had those like roller coaster where he sort of choked at the end of that uh, Utah like, series where he just didn't bother showing up. But then other nights he has these like 40 point, you know, let me just throw up the team. But I don't actually know if those are really helping his team. Um, I would say Carl Anthony Towns. Ooh, yeah, that's a good point. Minnesota like, and and Milwaukee were both relatively yeah, underperforming. Like Clint Capella, I think, thoroughly outplayed Carl Anthony Towns, and I think Giannis. I mean, Giannis did his best, so maybe it's not really on him. Maybe it's more on just the team. I mean, I don't think Boston really stopped Giannis, but I, I was I, expecting I more from Carl Anthony that. Towns. I was expecting way more from Carl Anthony Towns. I think um, in terms of oh wait, if we pick players that didn't show up, can we just say everyone on the Cavs except LeBron? Where's <laughs> Jr. Smith? Yeah, you know, Jarrett's was actually a good point there. Uh, how many points has he scored in the whole playoffs? Like twenty? Like I... <laughs> he's made maybe less than fifteen threes so far. Yeah, I mean, it it might be. I mean, Ben Simmons wilted in the second round. But yeah, I mean, I think it's got to be. I think it's got to be a Cavs player. Just everybody on the Cavs except LeBron is wins this least improved I mean, category. Yeah, I mean, Kevin Love, I guess, picks it up, but Kevin Love gets. Yeah, but this is know, a guy that's supposed to be a twenty twenty guy. Yeah, Kevin Love has never really, I think, reached what he should be in Cleveland. I think he's always underperformed in Cleveland, and that might just be a, a, like more on the system than on him, but. All right, well, uh, now we've got the category I almost forgot last time, MVP of the playoffs so far. Uh, I'm gonna, I'm, I'm actually at a loss here. Um, all right, well, let's narrow down the field to the final four teams. So Houston, Golden State, Cleveland, Boston. We can pick one from each team, and then from there we'll have a, a pool of four. 
and then we can select one out of that one one out of those four. All right, so, well, uh, Cleveland, Houston, uh, Cleveland's uh, obviously LeBron, so just check that one off right now. Yeah. Yeah. Houston. Uh, Houston, I'm gonna go with CP3. You know, I was thinking Harden, but I you mentioned CP3, and I'd have to agree with you on that one. I, he's been. I think I think the defense is really what's been saving them in these playoffs. He's been uh, a little more some of those consistent. Minnesota games are pretty tight. Well, some of those Minnesota games were really tight, and Minnesota basically played Houston at their game of uh, pace and space. Surprisingly, but uh, yeah, I think it's been more about the Houston defense has actually kept them in it. All right, uh, so CP3, uh, Golden State, Kevin Durant. I feel like that's pretty... Yeah, yeah, Steph has not looked like he's, healthy. Yeah, he's not definitely not 100%. It feels like the 2016 year, kind of, where he's not quite... Mm. And then for the Celtics MVP, Al Horford? Mm. Yeah, yeah, I'm cool with Al Horford. Maybe in the first round you could say Scary Terry, but it's. I think it's. I Al. think it's more of Al Horford's really the dynamo on the team. Yeah. So then between those four, you got to pick two. I think you pick CP3 <laughs> and AD. I don't know. I think you pick LeBron. I mean, how are the Cavs even in the conference finals? I mean, how are the Celtics I... even around Al Horford? So maybe it's LeBron Al Horford. Uh, I don't know. I think I think with Boston has more to do with Brad Stevens, Tatum. I think they have just more balance. Like, I mean, if you take LeBron off his Cavs team, that's a. I mean, they're lottery actual team. lottery team. Yeah, that's like an actual lottery team, right? If you take Horford out, I mean, all right. If you, I mean, if you take Horford, Kyrie, and Hayward out, they're probably a lottery team. But if it was just Horford being out and you had Hayward and Kyrie, I think people would still expect him in the conference finals. I think my problem with that is if let's say you take Horford out and you replace him with like let's say you replace Horford with like Clint Capella, I feel like that team sucks. Okay. I feel like the fact that he can space the floor is so crucial to that team. All right, but what if they have Kyrie and Hayward? Yeah, well then they they're the number one seed and you know there's no way the Cavs win, right? So I don't think that's even a question at that point. Okay, and then uh, Katie. I mean, Katie's always a weird thing, right? Because the Warriors were already winning champion. Like they were on the verge of winning two championships without. So I think even if they didn't have Katie, they would still probably be in the conference finals. I think that the Pelican series would have been really close without Katie. If they had had like Harrison Barnes still instead of KD, I feel like that game that goes to seven. Cool. Hmm. I don't know. All right. So I think I think. All right. Maybe maybe we'll just chalk it up to whoever wins Finals MVP wins this uh, playoffs MVP. We'll just. I just wish Kawhi, man. Kawhi would have been on this defensive player list. He would have been on this uh, probably this MVP list, and the Spurs would have oh, been yeah. like the, Spurs the, the third been, or fourth like, seed. I think they, yeah, they would have been second or third. Really shows how much. Uh, we missed that, like, just a true defensive juggernaut where it's like 
he's so good on defense. We just want to throw him and take him in the corner and throw him out of the play. Well, anyways, uh, I believe that wraps up our category on playoff awards. Uh, let's move on to just some of our final thoughts about the playoffs so far. So, uh, let's just try and do this kind of rapid fire, I guess. So, what is your biggest upset story in the playoffs so far? Uh... I guess upset the Jazz. It's got to be the Jazz. Um, although this first round of playoffs is probably some of the best first round playoff games I've seen in, in a long time. Like both sides, East and West. Um, I mean, I guess upset maybe the Pelicans, just in the fact that they swept the Blazers. But I mean, overall, this first round was was a very nice, worthy first round. I think my, my sad story is uh, the Thunder. I think everybody expected them to go to easily get to the second round, and they they just severely underperformed. I think you could say a similar story about yeah, Milwaukee, too. Yeah, I think the Jazz take this. Yeah. Um, yeah, I think the Jazz take this upset. All right, so biggest pleasant surprise of the playoffs, in your opinion? Uh, I think it was Boston. I mean, I thought Boston would uh, be able to hang tough with anybody, but the fact that they actually... Uh, are getting there, or actually, I guess, likewise, maybe Cleveland, how bad they are, <laughs> they're still getting through. I mean, I really thought Indiana might actually take down LeBron. I think mine is, but, uh, um, I guess not, is really the guard play out west. I think that Rondo Drew Holiday combo Ooh, is surprisingly yeah, like good, I like and I think Donovan is surprisingly good in the playoffs. You know, it's a lot of an idea that a rookie's only good in the regular season, but he was killing it in the playoffs, too. Oh, yeah, you're right. Uh, and I also, oh, I let's just move on to to a what if. So what what if you had a a what if moment of these playoffs? What would it be like? Mine, for instance, is what if Indiana wins that game against the Cavs? Because that's a very likely thing to have happened. That was a much more to the teeth victory than I think people realize. So is this more constrained to like? Uh... What could have like actually happened in the playoffs? Like, I mean, obviously, if, if Kawhi was on the Spurs, I mean, the Spurs would have like, you know, just been like a whole new wild card in this West like playoff race because they would have met either the Rockets or Golden State in the second round, and like this Western Conference Finals could look entirely different. Uh, what if? I mean, what if LeBron had somebody to help him? <laughs> uh, yeah. What if? What if like, LeBron had a team? <laughs> Yeah, like, I mean, could the Cavs actually, like, have taken on, like, Golden State or Houston if LeBron had, like, one more? Like, what if what if Rodney Hood wanted to actually play a game? <laughs> I think my big, my, one of my other ones might be what if, uh, yeah, you could say what if on these injuries. Oh, what if the Sixers actually got past? I think, yeah, yeah, injuries are a big thing. What if the Sixers actually got through Boston, and we'd have a Cleveland-Philadelphia final. I think that's that's a reasonable one to make. Pretty cool. um, I, I feel like uh, a lot of people chalked that up to Boston 4-1 really early. I mean, I'm sorry, Philly 4-1 just off the talent on paper, but you know, that really turned out the other way. And then, <laughs> why, don't, why don't we do something a little weird here? What 
an organizational or a rules change in the playoffs that we just flip the game. In my opinion, uh, I think we can agree that the one to sixteen seeding would be a overall benefit. Um, Ooh, yeah, yeah, I mean, that's a big one. I think they should also do. Uh, they they should uh, take the first round down to five games instead of seven. I think it just makes it like way more competitive per game, as well as like it helps the longevity of the player of like the teams that make it through to like the conference finals where they're not as like worn out or as tired. Uh, I think if they just, you know, like, like does Rubio get injured if, if there's only five games instead of like six, you know? Uh, yeah, like, I can I think, see I that. I think having a five game series. I think it, it helped with the schedule too. Cause it's like that first round, there's like three games every day and it's hard to, Try and watch all of them from a entertainment perspective. Mm. Plus, like, I mean, how exciting is it when you watch them like Pelicans who are up like three zero, and they like take the first two games in Portland? It's like, do we really want to see like a whole another game after that just to watch them win in New Orleans again? That's a big deal. With the know? one, like, the one, the first, you know, the one and two seed matchups too. It's like. Yeah, you pretty like, much know it's going to be a, a, a sweep. I don't remember the last time where like one eight has been super competitive. Yeah, I, I think I think that would be my thing. It's just I'm a fan of having less games just to prevent injuries. It seems like every year we just have too many injuries. Like, yeah, towards like the latter end of the season, it seems to be more and more of a. I mean, especially with these playoff-bound teams, you know, and I guess that's a credit to the teams themselves is, hey, they're making it here even with injuries, but you would expect a team with crucial star injuries to not even be in the playoffs so we wouldn't have to say these what-ifs. Kind of like Yeah, yeah, I mean, like, I mean, I would keep the I would keep the second, the second round, the conference finals and the finals all seven-game series, but I think the first round, just to kind of make it a little bit more exciting, I think... I think five, even five the second series. round could be five. I think you do five, five, seven, seven. I think that'd be fine. I, I mean, I, you know, the league's never going to do that because ticket sales and whatnot. But <laughs> no way. From a, from a, yeah, if, right. you know, if I had the magic wand. From a, from, a, from a purist point of view. Yeah. All right. Well, that, uh, that knocks off the agenda that I had laid out today. So you got any, any closing remarks before we shut down the ship here? uh yeah so uh check out ZipRecruiter. uh also fuck duke all right <laughs> we'll, we can uh, all agree with that fuck duke all right well thanks for joining us today on another great episode of hard in the paint if you would like to support the show you can find us in the description below and catch us in the future for another great episode where we most likely talk about something non-topical and maybe slightly more historic with more stats. Alrighty, thanks everybody.